Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Line of Vienna Suite podcast, episode 106, recording on this Sunday night, the 17th of March. I'm Chris, and tonight I'm joined by Will. Good evening, Will. Good evening, Chris. How are you? I'm excellent, thank you, my friend. I am excellent. I'm glad to, glad to have you on. Uh, welcome back as well to uh, to Tom Jenkins. Tom, good evening, mate. Good evening, Chris. I'm I'm not excellent. I feel like I took crap after yesterday. <laughs> well, when you have to introduce yourself with a sigh before before your name, then we know full well that things are going to get in a certain direction. Speaking of things going in a certain direction, James is also with us tonight. How are you doing? Uh, good evening, Chris. How are you, mate? Getting there, mate. I had a very nice tea tonight. Very nice tea. Uh, steak and chips. Absolutely. T- tea of champions. The only thing that's cheered me up today has been uh, has been soaking up some of last night's booze with stodgy food. It's the only way to get through these things. We're going to talk about Wanderers. We're going to talk about takeovers. We're going to talk about football a little bit. And we're also going to uh, have the most explosive inter-podcast debate session in the history of podcasting when we discuss yesterday's debacle against Wigan Athletic. Subtitle, The Shame of a Generation. But first, to keep things chirpy, we'll talk a little bit about Millwall because we, we have never actually got around to having a post-Millwall podcast. Well, what can we say apart from it, it, it kind of distracted us all, didn't it, from the, the, the sort of crushing realisation that this is, by, by miles, probably the worst Wanderers team in the history of Wanderers teams. Um, but James, come to you first on, on that one. Um, your thoughts on the Millwall game, just, just in brief, and then we'll do the same for Tom and Will. Well, to be honest, it was a very uneventful first half. I couldn't tell you anything about what happened then. But the second half, we looked like a, a team transformed. We were actually the most dominant attacking team in that half. It was absolutely bizarre to see. The fact that we conceded a goal at all in that game is is complete BS because we were hammering Millwall left, right and centre. What do you think? What do you put that down to? I mean, do you think it was a bit of confidence? Do you think it was perhaps the fact that the, the players had been paid so they didn't have that at the back of the mind? Um, I mean, obviously, we, we know what happened yesterday, so obviously that wasn't any kind of motivating factor, at least on the evidence of that. But in isolation, what, what do you think so would have might have prompted that, a change of personnel? I'm curious to know what you think. Uh, it's, hard, it's, hard, it's hard to say, really, because they were, they were playing the team that they'd mainly played for past few games. So it, I, don't know, I don't know what sprung them to life. Maybe it was mm. a complete... A really good team talk from Steve Parkin, and that since Parkinson was up in the stands, and I don't know, maybe they got a new lease of life, seeing how terrible Millwall were in the first half, um, mm. and then decided, you know what, feck it, we're going to go for it. It, it. I really couldn't tell you because that, that's a wondrous team that we rarely ever see, rarely seen this season, and we saw through. Yeah. A fair bit of August, so we've seen on the very odd games like Derby and Rotherham. No fair points, Tom. Same question to you. I mean, your, your thoughts on the game in general, and, and what do you think provoked the uh, the second half turnaround? Because, as far as I'm aware, I don't think Parkinson's ban would have extended to the dressing room. I think he's I think he's allowed to to take that sort of responsibility, unless you know any different. I don't know, but I, what I would say is I think it does help when you go 45 minutes without conceding a goal. Certainly, um, you know, I think what we've seen in, in the last two games is that the first goal, having conceded it, has killed us completely. Uh, certainly in the Sheffield um, uh, Sheffield Wednesday game. Uh, had we not conceded that at half-time, I, I think we'd be sitting here, not necessarily talking about our win, but certainly talking about a more positive result or a more positive performance. Um, I thought the performances of Olkowski and Gary O'Neill um, in that game were fantastic. The goal scorers, they were brilliant. Uh, I, I thought that it was just, as, as James has already said, it was taking advantage for once of a poor team. We, t- we saw the Millwall were there for the taking. We actually took advantage. And how, how often can we say that this season? It was a pleasure to watch. It was actually fun watching Bolton Wanderers for once. 
But uh, as, as as we now know, you know, comes crashing down. They seduce you into thinking that there's hope or light at the end of the tunnel. And is there is there bollocks? Is there bollocks indeed? Will um, I mean? I, I think the perfect opposition you could probably argue in in the form of uh, in the form of Millwall. Um, segue into the Sheffield Wednesday game for me, please, and, and the differences between the two performances because. Although I went to the to the Millwall one, I was working away for the Sheffield one, so I unfortunately had to miss that game. So give me give us all your thoughts on the differences between the two, please, if you don't mind. And I'll come to Tom and James with the same question shortly. Yeah, no problem. Obviously, like you were saying with the with Millwall, it was the as we like to use in, in such a term, a shiny distraction. Um, everyone got a bit carried away. Obviously, second half performance was very good compared to the first, which has been a story of events recently. I think as well. You know, we tend to struggle getting you know getting up to speed. Um, obviously that was the case yesterday as well but um, yeah no like you said obviously we then went went into midweek Sheffield Wednesday and then it was like we got sent crashing back down to earth obviously um, it was just almost inevitable that that was going to happen obviously we had we had the wage stuff surrounding it in, in the background as well uh, obviously they were given you know a glimmer of hope that they'd be paid um, on Sunday as they were told on, on the Friday um, so obviously that you know that, that gave them a bit of of support, mm. you, you know, going into the Millwall game, but obviously, you know, come Sunday, um, it obviously came out that that, that wasn't going to be the case, and I'm not just going to blame that for the reason that that we lost, and I'm not saying that the players are as stubborn as that even, um, but I, I, I guess that I, that's certainly a factor in it all, um, and to be fair, Wednesday were, were much the better team, and, you know, it was always going to happen, I think. I totally agree, and, and Tom, similar sort of question to you then, do you think that uh, everything that had gone on in the, in the week leading up to Millwall had led to that sort of release of, of energy and, and a bit of freedom only for reality to strike perhaps and, and you know the, the sort of overcompensation we, we put into play after Millwall thinking yeah we do stand a chance uh, when really when we come up against a half-organised team in Wednesday compared to Millwall then then that was that was pretty much so, shown to be bollocks straight away. I agree with the latter I, th- I think we're, we're sort of reading a little bit too much into it whereas actually Millwall just played terribly that day mm-hmm. and you know even even you know our bunch of our useless players managed to take advantage of it I think with the uh, Sheffield Wednesday thing if um, memory serves on the Tuesday just before the game the players were actually paid uh, or at least I thought they were um, and, and yeah. that, I thought that might give them some kind of boost going into that game and as I say it just it was it was it was so depressing to see that Stephen Fletcher goal go in it was poor defending uh, as, we, as we've come to expect and just on the stroke of half time of a first half performance that hadn't been too bad and it killed any kind kind of belief that the players had go, get, getting anything out of that game and you know it, it's so depressing to watch that team just capitulate the way it does and as we saw mm-hmm. again yesterday Totally agree and James to come to you then to, to sort of touch on those last two games how much influence do you think that the, the changes in team selection that Parkinson initiated with doing whatever he can to shoe on and then suspension free Jason low back into the side obviously it in my opinion, watching it, watching the second half on the telly when I got back in, it severely disrupted the flow of the midfield to to see Connolly switch back uh, out, out of position just so we can have Jason Lowe in the team. I mean, it's probably a question that you could then then ask again for Saturday, shoehorning him, shoehorning him in when perhaps his his form doesn't warrant that. No, no, I'm, I'm with you. I am one of the, probably the very few who will actually defend Jason Lowe because I, I think we knew when we signed him that he he was not going to be an attacking player. He was going to be the sweeper in front of the back line. But and I don't know why people expect any different. But but that's a, but that's another point for another day. Yeah, I agree that shoehorning and then and moving Connolly to left back was a horrendous, horrendous mistake. I've always been a big advocate for. If you you never change a winning team unless you absolutely have to, 
even if that involved Buckley, he wasn't very good at he wasn't average at Millwall, I'd say at best, and that's being kind. Um, uh, you, I wouldn't have changed a single player at that game, just carrying the momentum no. going, and like, and like you say, it just disrupted the flow of the midfield because they they were building the partnership between Con- Connolly and uh, Williams and O'Neill, two Everton lads, and the experienced man on the right wing, and it all seemed to be doing a really good job, but. I don't know. I guess um, Phil Parkinson is the next tinker man taking over from Ranieri. Yeah, he doesn't seem to be able to get through a game, does he, without that? So, just to finish off, then I think I'll just ask the three of you what would be your preferred lineup in central midfield? Obviously, we've had Connolly, Williams, um, and Lowe in there over, and against Sheffield Wednesday, and he obviously changed again at weekend. But, Tom, to come to you first, then, then to you, Will, and to you, James, just to give you a couple of seconds to think about it. But to put you on the spot, Tom, who would be your midfield? Presuming it's a midfield three. Um, midfield three, I would have Williams in there. I would have Connolly alongside him, and then I'd play Connell ahead of them. I, mean, I think Gary O'Neill's been very impressive, but he can only really give you one kind of big performance per week. I would have thought, and I think the three consecutive ninety minutes that he's played uh, mm. will, will not have been you know helpful for him in those old legs. So I think the two, the, the stability of Williams and and Connolly, and then a bit of magic from Connell ahead of them would be quite a good midfield. Okay, fair enough. Will. Um, I thought O'Neill in general recently has been, has been very good, and you know, like Tom said, he he's going to struggle to to perform at that level consistently, obviously due due to obvious reasons. Um, but I, I I'd still have him in there. I think um, I'm very much of, a, of the opinion that we should be playing a four four two. Um, so whether it's you know him and and, and Connell perhaps, um, or him and him and Williams, you know, I I always think he he's a good one to just have set in, in in front of the back four. You know, so mm. if you were talking a midfield three, it'd be those three. It'd be, uh, yeah, Connell, O'Neill, and uh, Williams. But in a two, yeah, O'Neill and uh, Connell. Uh, Connell, sorry. Okay, James. That same one to you. Then we'll move on to the uh, to the weekend's events. Um, I'm I'm still a big advocate for four for four three three for our team personally. So I'd stick with a midfield three, probably with um, Connell, Connolly, and. In my opinion, you can interchange Gary O'Neill or Joe Williams because they're both sort of the same player, just one's a bit a bit more experienced and the one's a bit more hot-headed, so it depends what you want. But yeah, that's my team. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree. I think there's a place for Williams' sort of un- unreconstructed brashness, I suppose. Because, you know, although he's, he's limited in many ways, I think we will probably all agree, I think he's, his aggression is useful. Uh, even though it may sometimes be mis- misplaced. It's just a shame if you could perhaps marry that with Connell's ability on the ball, you'd have a, you'd have a hell of a player, but... But hey, that's why these players are playing for us and not anyone else. Well, anyway, after the midweek game, we, we, we expected and we hoped there would be some more takeover talk, some conclusion to that absolute fiasco. But no, um, it, it came to light, I guess, towards the end of the week via Radio Manchester is where I first learned it, that the Bazarin takeover was, was, it was off. I mean, you can sort of draw your own conclusions whether you think that's a more permanent state of being. But Tom, how did you feel when you heard about that? Did you initially think, oh, here we go? Or, or, or what was your, your state of mind at that time? Uh, gutted, but not surprised. I, I think we we've discussed it on on the line of Vienna chat. I think I think you know whether or not there was a necessity to talk about Michael James's involvement in Parmenda Basrin's bid. As you were saying, I think you know they they've got um, something on Company's House where they've got to tell you know who who the members of the consortium are. So they kind of had to disclose that information. But it's the kind of information that was going to piss Ken Anderson off. And if you know the deal was almost signed, sealed, delivered on Tuesday, Wednesday. 
you know, that's the kind of spanner get, that gets thrown into the works that mm. he doesn't really, he doesn't really need an excuse to then try and, you know, squeeze any more money out of it or to try and, you know, mess it around. And I think they gave him that, that excuse, whether they had to or not. And it just seemed, you know, after we'd, we'd sort of said on Tuesday that it was going to be, you know, done on dusted and then, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday drags on. I wasn't surprised to see that there, there had been news coming through that it had been taken off because it was just taking too long. And if mm. I were the Bajramal, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have to deal with Ken Anderson if I didn't have to. No, Will, I mean, do you think that this is perhaps the, the football whites ventures, whatever they're called, um, mm. guys pl- playing the game a little bit? What yeah, the I mean, end result's going to be in all this? There's been talk, obviously, of um, you know potentially Bajram playing Ken at his own game, for which I don't think anyone would blame him. Um, obviously, we we don't know whether whether that's the case for certain. You know, he could full well have walked away. I think it, what I mm. what I heard onto it, this is the third time he'd walked away. Um, whether that's the third time lucky, whether he's just completely had enough, um, I don't understand either way. Um, but it, it's really hard to tell whether there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. To be honest, you know, we've got the court court, court date on Wednesday, um, which, which could you know spell disaster, or you know it could get delayed at best, really. So. Um, it, it's hard to see any positives in it, to be honest. And I think yeah, if it yeah. was going to happen, it would have it would have done by now. Yeah, I totally agree. And then obviously, I think the plan is at the minute that we'll we'll record another show on Wednesday night. Um, is it Wednesday? It is Wednesday, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think the court did. Uh, after that, and then we'll we'll obviously we'll discuss the fallout and, and we'll see where we go from there. Uh, I'm confident it's not going to it's not going to come to the ultimate disaster, which I know you know amongst the sort of more fatalistic supporters, there's a view that. You know, next next week we're going to be playing it. You know, dog and duck FC on a, on a pitch at Levian Park or something like that. I'm sure it won't come to that. <laughs> I love just, that. It'd be better quality. Yeah, well, you know, there'd be uh, be no I follow anyway. That's for one thing. Um, we start right. David Weir in defence though. <clears throat> well, of course we would, and Jason Lowe would find his way in there, wouldn't he? At some point, there's, there's no way that's not going to happen. <laughs> but anyway, let's talk about Wigan away. So obviously, um, away games being what they are. Uh, we were, we, especially at Wigan, we were backed by a really good away following in the, you know, touching 4,000 away supporters at a game, which is brilliant given the circumstances. Um, but as, as attendees, and James, I'll come to you first, um, how did you feel attending the game? Were you confident? Did you, were you apprehensive? What was your state of mind? Well, my well, state of mind was I'd hope we'd at least put in a performance, uh, an actual battle. I mean, this is a relegation rival as, as well as a local derby, probably at in the in the current days, probably our most our most fierce local rival. Mm, I um, agree. And what I just saw was the most drab, lifeless, spineless, lazy performance I've seen all season. And that includes the six 0 battering by Hull. It was absolutely disgraceful. And and those three thousand seven hundred fans that went deserved way better than what they got. Yeah, and we'll we'll, we'll come to that as we uh, as we come on to the show. Uh, Will obviously. Um, like James said, there was an, there wasn't really necessarily too much expectation, but maybe no. a little bit of hope hope going in there because obviously Wigan are playing very poorly at the same as well. But what was your opinion of the team, uh, the lineup before the game? Obviously, we saw Low come in for Pav, um, mm-hmm. yet more rejigging of the midfield because God knows Jason Lowe's got to play. Amiobi wasn't playing. Um, McGinnis was still up there despite him being without a goal in in months. It feels like. Course, yeah. um, Looking at the team that started the game, I mean, we'll just run through it quickly. Uh, so, obviously, we had Matthews in goal because of, of, uh, of Anik still recovering from his injury. Lowe, Hobbs, Beavers, Taylor, Joe Williams, Callum Connolly, O'Neill, Buckley, Donaldson and McGuinness. Um, yeah. Just just all yours, mate. You tell us what you thought yeah, no going problem. into the game. Obviously, you know, with, with the two teams being, you know, a, a, the best in, like, well... 
just two shitters really at the minute, aren't they? So, um, you know, mm-hmm. I think if you look at it on a bet slip or anything, you know, you usually think, you know, home advantage, uh, there's a chance of uh, we can get a point. But I think when when you've got such a, a support behind the lads uh, as they did on Saturday, you know, you thought there might be a chance, especially on Derby Day. But, you know, like you said, when the team came out at two, you know, you look at it and you're thinking there's a lot of chopping and changing again, um, as it has been for, for numerous weeks now. Uh, obviously, Hobbs filling in for Weeter. I think he was back in contention, but obviously stu- stuck with that. Um Low replacing Pav, and although I'm not Pav's biggest supporter, I think was possibly the worst decision of all time. Um, and you know, having those two donkeys up front who are just completely incapable of putting the ball in the net just gives you absolutely no hope, does it? So it, it, it's hard to look at a bottom team now and think, yeah, go on, you know, that that's a good team, that, that that's a winning team right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think you'd really have to, you know, find some something completely different to be able to to, to think that nowadays. Um, perhaps even you know just giving Hall a chance or whatever up front might, might even do the trick but you know we don't know at this stage so looking at that yeah. team obviously it wasn't exactly what you call promising and obviously within three minutes it, it proved it was, that was proven you know that it, it was going to be a long afternoon I mean I, I think I totally agree with what you're saying I think do you, do you see any future any sort of way back for Vela in this situation I mean if you can't even get on the bench in a in a must-win game when the team's playing pretty horrifically I, I guess the writing's on the wall as long as Parkinson remains in charge yeah, of course it is. I, I don't see a way back in from him at the minute, you know, and we, we, we've done this to death about whether or not we're going to keep him on at the end of the season. And, you know, mm. I, th- I think whilst he's out of favour, it's looking less and less likely, you know, with, with every day that passes. Um, obviously, yeah. you know, it's so unpredictable to, to you know, to ch- try and tell what, what the team's going to be each week, because I don't think even Parky knows at the minute. Um, but even so, you know, the fact that, like you said, Villa's struggling to get in even now is, you know, is worrying for, for him. But, you know, I, I don't know whether he'd do a better job than any of them just based on that performance because it was just absolutely fucking dreadful. I, I can't imagine he would do any worse. I mean, it, I guess we'll find out against QPR weekend. Sam, I'm going to come to you in a minute as, as the author of the, the player ratings this week. There's a few things I just want to raise with you. But back to James. Um, just to go through these player by player, I mean, Matthews, obviously, he's had his moments since he's come in. I mean, he's been a, a second choice or a third choice, I guess, for most of his career. And without checking, obviously you get excellent amounts of research on this podcast. I can't think that he's ever had a run of form in a first team, much like he has the last six or seven games here. And I know as somebody that we've spoken about in the past that you've been fairly impressed with his uh, his time at Bolton. How do you think Saturday went? And and I don't mean to just necessarily pick on the the mistake that led to the Powell goal, but but more of an overall. Well, overall, yeah, he's been solid. And um, I, I think it's only uh, when he was on Plymouth at Lawn that he's had a run similar to this. But we're okay. obviously on a different level to Plymouth. This isn't League One or League Two. So he had to step up his game. And he, he was actually doing like that. It, for though, doesn't it? it feels yeah. like it's Well, like we're definitely a League One side at best. Mm. But, but outside of that, yeah, yeah, Matthews has been overall similarly solid, kind of like how. Bet how kind of like how Ben Anik is, but that Leeds mistake, and if, but ever since that Leeds mistake, I think it's gone slightly downhill for him. Um, yeah, and yeah, I, I don't, I, I felt it felt like a totally different player at Wigan. There was absolutely no confidence trying to get the ball out straight away, not helped by our midfield and our players just being as slow as ketchup yeah. coming out of a glass bottle. But just to jump in there, James, I was just going to say, I, I felt that. Similarly to you know with, with Matthews, he just looked like he was absolutely scared to death of coming off his line. You know he didn't claim anything, hardly commanded his box, and I just thought you know it's it's definitely an accident waiting to happen. Um, and obviously you know that that did later on. But anyway, I'll let you continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously we all know about the third goal. We've all seen it. Our own tweet banged because of that goal. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and there's also the fifth goal to, go to talk about as well, because he's yeah, easily parried that away. I was going to raise that. I mean, I think that there's an argument for, for the first one. Yeah, um, you know, point blank range. The second one being the, the, the finish in the near post, which was deflected. Give him a pass for that. But yeah, uh, and we'll let him off with the, 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 the corker as well, because that was that was unsavable. But yeah. third and the third and the fifth one I thought were extremely poor. Extremely yeah, especially poor. with the third one. If you watch the video, you can see him look around twice. But but yeah, when he looks around the second time to look at his play, he looks in the exact same position, expecting that player to not have moved an inch. It's, it, this isn't Sami Amiobi who would still be there. This is a striker that's actually trying to get back into line and into position. Look, look around you. It was such an amateurish schoolboy mistake. I could not believe it. Yeah, it was like something from PlayStation. One. It was just, just absolutely pathetic. Uh, Tom, thank you for remaining patient. But do you think that his wondrous career can recover from a mistake like that? Oh, I put it in my ratings. I think that it's a it, the Leeds one was difficult. Must have been difficult enough to recover from. That is the kind of mistake that kills careers. That and and it, that's not a dramatic statement. That that is exactly the kind of thing that kills a career. Look at Joe Hart, for example. You know, you make a couple of high-profile errors, and the, the the guy's not been the same for the last four or five years. I I I like Remy Matthews. I think what from what I've seen of him, he's a fantastic shot stopper. Um, his distribution is good. I think he's let down more by um, people not moving or the sort of the immobility of most of our midfield and our wide players. Um, but I agree with Will. I don't necessarily think he's the best at commanding his box. But then again, Yossi wasn't the best at commanding his box. You know, we've mm. long had goalkeepers who, who sort of rely on the centre halves. And to be fair, he's got two six foot five centre halves in front of him. But no, that, that that's the kind of mistake. And as, as James has said, you know, when he looks twice and expects that Jacobs it hasn't moved an inch, it is, it is amateurish. It had me, you know, James will vouch. I was sat next to him, you know, sitting down, hands on my head, not able to move for the next five minutes. I just was in shock. It, it just made me feel physically sick watching yeah. that. Uh, I think we all, nobody wants it to be the end of his Bolton career because he's certainly shown flashes of, of, of being pop, perfectly competent. Um, but it wouldn't surprise anyone if there's a new name between the sticks, I think, come, come QPR. Will, uh, Tom mentioned there the, the two centre-halves. Um, yeah. in, in a game like that, I mean, I can't remember any particular huge mistakes from either of them, but no. I, I do think I do think that Tom's rating of four and five, respectively, for Hobbs and Beavers is... Is probably the maximum that you could give a team that yeah, concedes five. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean it's generous at that, you know, and and I think that you know neither of them were, were you know particularly uh, on their best days uh, on on Saturday at all, you know, and I, I just felt like they were completely incapable of, of stopping that Wigan attack that you know we we made look like Barcelona on the day, and I just felt like every time they broke it, it looked like they were going to score, um, mm. and, and and you know it, it's just almost. It's terrifying, you know, watching watching those, you know, trying trying to stop like four, you know, quite rapid and, and, and tricky plays going forward. Um, and it, I, I haven't seen a Bolton team look like that in, in in years where you know we actually look, you know, dangerous on the attack. And it always mm-hmm. seems to be, the, you know, the other team that gets on the break. And I think pace is where we've always struggled. And you know, Saturday was no different. And it and it you know shot us in the foot. No, fair enough. Um... James, I'll come to you in a second. The midfield next. I, we'll we'll give uh, Olkowski and Taylor a, a miss. So I don't think there's much more we can say that's any more positive than that. But we had Joe Williams, Connolly, and O'Neill um, in the midfield. Obviously, Tom, you you rated them four, five, and five respectively. Um, we'll we'll come on to Buckley shortly. But James, your your opinion of those three ratings, four, five, and five? Would you have given them any different? And and if so, would you mind explaining why? I I would have given all of them lower personally because. 
I thought that midfield was completely anonymous. They barely got any attacks going themselves. So their their passing was woeful. They didn't cover the lines very well. O'Neill put some runs forward, I guess, every now and again, and he did grab a goal. So I I suppose on a very generous level, I can understand the five, but mm. I think they all deserve lower because none of them really contributed anything that day. Fair enough. Tom, would you want to defend those ratings? Just either to James or in general to the entire universe, mate. Well, the entire universe. I mean, they're, they're, to be honest with you, just going back a little bit, I, I having watched the game again, I think I stand by what I said about Beavers. I don't think Beavers was culpable for any of the goals. I think Hobbs is culpable for about three of them. So I think I'd probably, given, given my time again, change that one to a bit lower. Because, you know, he misses Garner for the first goal. Um, it's his deflection that sends the second one and he misses Clark for the for the fifth. Um, so, but, but from, the, from the midfield perspective, O'Neill gets a goal. O'Neill runs around and, and puts a, t- a foot in. His passing is the best out of the three of those midfielders, or at least it was on the day. Um, he's, you know, they've got them, at least he looks like he cares. It looks like it matters to him. Whereas the rest of them, the, the other two, it looked like it passed them by. Connolly got given a five based on the fact that he looked actually like the only midfielder who who was more dangerous. You know, he's missed two two good chances, but was in the position to create those chances. Yeah. I, 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 just, I just don't... I think low, low ratings are deserved for someone like Andrew Taylor because he was torn to pieces by his man and was, and was at fault for a goal. I think with those three, it wasn't their fault that we were conceding all, all, of, all of those goals. You know, it played mm, like Nick Powell. Okay. A player like Nick Powell is a cut is a cut above us, a cut Definitely. above all the midfielders that we've got. And if and you know if he's the reason why we're going to create some chances, then I I don't expect players of lower quality to be able to cope with him. Just quickly, I was just going to say, that I think um, in in their defence, you know, in 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 Beavers and Hobbs' defence, I think if if Weeter was in there, I think it could have possibly been more. You know, like I was saying with the lack of pace, I think you know had. Had he been been slotted in there as well, or mm. instead instead of one of them, I, th- I think we could have we could have been looking at an even worse scoreline. To be honest, I'm telling you well, now, Weeter does not lose that first header to Garner, and he doesn't lose that second header to to Clark. Hobbs I've goes, Weeter doesn't. I've got to say that first goal is atrocious in terms of defending on both, in terms of how Corporal Low mm. was for it. Um, obviously, that was his one contribution to the game, and it was bloody stupid. Um, but yeah, I, I think in terms of defensive wise, for, from that set piece in particular, I think yeah, like you said, Wheater could have done a lot better. In all fairness, well, I'm sure we'll find out next week because he'll, he'll know that be restored to the to the team. Now he's free from suspension and his replacement did not cover himself in glory. Uh, James, I want to talk to you about Will Buckley. I'm, I'm not a fan. Don't don't see what he produces. What don't see what he brings to the game. Sure, he's a very nice guy, but you know. Somewhat Will Buckley's career at Bolton for me and as succinctly as you can. I'm sure it won't take long. Um, let's see. He scored, I'm pretty sure he scored like five goals for us and then that's it. I, I, he's, he's rubbish around the wing. He's crossing his wall full. He doesn't, he's not very quick, so he, he's not the best winger. He doesn't dribble past players very often and it's only very recently that he actually tries to track back but even then he, he as soon as the man he loses his man he just gives up mm. and then just runs and then just runs into nowhere yeah I, I totally agree totally agree will do you have any 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 uh, opposing views on buckley i mean no, obviously no. the positive the positives were at least at least he didn't have his gloves on this week no no i just i i, I don't understand the point of him at all and I, I keep referring back to it just because it, it still annoys me thinking about it now you know when he has scored the odd irrelevant goal in the past, you know, and then he do, he did that cup in his ear to the fans. Um, I think if he did that now, you know, it'd be attempted murder. Um, but I, I, <laughs> you know, but I just 
honestly, I don't understand the point of him, and I think as much as people have slated Amiobi recently, he's, he's always got to be first choice on that left wing, I think. Yeah, but we don't yeah. expect anything from Buckley. We expect Amiobi to at least produce some magic. That's the issue. Mm. I mean, Amiobi obviously came on, got us a goal, you know, little as it mattered, but I, I think to an extent, you've got to give him leeway and whether or not, you know, I, I think it worked well when we put Noon on the left for that couple of weeks, and I know he's got he's played much abuse recently, but you know, when he delivered a couple of those, those balls into McGuinness in the cup game against uh, Walsall, you know, I, I thought he particularly shone out, stood out then. So, um, you know, even if you had him on the left and Amiobi on the right, I think even that would be a better combination than, than the, uh, the the Buckley scenario. Fair enough, Tom. I mean, to talk about Amiobi, obviously in your ratings, you gave him a four uh, with, with a fairly scathing critique of his performance. O- over to you to, to explain that to the listeners. I don't understand how anyone with that ability can be so lazy and spineless to the point that they are not interested in showing it. If I were as talented as Sami Amiobi, I'd be playing in a Premier League side because I'd have the uh, you know the mindset and the work ethic to improve myself to the point that I was I was a valuable Premier League player because he does have an immense amount of ability. I said it in my ratings: more ability in his in his little toe than all of the rest of our team combined. You know, cuts in on that left foot, he can he can score absolutely wonderful goals. He can get himself out of trouble. Um, you know, with fantastic skill. I, I just I cannot understand for the life of me why he doesn't care enough to actually make something of himself because that there, there, there's a talent there that could be earning him absolutely shed loads of cash and yet he's slumming it at the bottom of the championship with Bolton Wanderers not even getting paid half the time you know I don't think he should be at our club he should be at a better club than ours but he I, just doesn't care enough I disagree so I, I just think that I think that there's a bit of you know care and fight in there it's just like he, he showed a little bit of it when he when he tried to do a, one of those Yaya Toure runs you just like push everyone out of the way I think he, he beat about five men on his own just you know that 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 little flash of, of, of excellence you know, uh, what I know uh, well no it, it, it didn't but um, I, I understand where you're coming from in terms of, of a lack of consistency and, and the amount of expectation on him probably doesn't help either but it, mm. it, it's just something where I think he, he does have the ability and it's not that he doesn't care I think it's just that he struggles in the team that he's in and, and you know when, when he does get the ball he's got limited opportunities as to what he can do with it um, and I thought, you know, I mean, we'll get on to our fans in a bit um, with, you know, the bit at the end where where a ball was thrown in that vague direction, you know, and, and then he turned around and threw it back. I thought that just sort of summed it up where, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, he's doing his best. And although performances are, are completely insist, inconsistent, um, I think there is a, a, a little bit of a, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel for him uh, personally. But in terms of the rest of the team, we may as well just give up now. <laughs> Well, if we can get some sort of potential, uh, some sort of consistency out of him, he is unquestionably, I think, our most talented player. But like Tom said, talent without applications is nothing. Um, but in the, on the subject of consistency, we've got two centre forwards who consistently fail to score, fail to trouble the opposition goalkeepers, and generally just they're serving a purpose to make up the eleven. Uh, James um, Donaldson and McGinnis got three and four respectively in Tom's uh, Tom's ratings. Have you any arguments to increase or lower those scores? I decreased both of them. I thought they were completely ineffective. I don't remember McGuinness winning a single header. Because I, I, I'm pretty sure I even mentioned it back in August when I first saw him in the West Brom game, my player ratings. I said, said though he put in a very good performance, some of his headers can be a bit wayward. He needs to work on that. And if anything, he's gotten much, much worse since then. It's almost mm. like the application that he had then has completely gone, kind of like Sami Ami Obi. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, sad to, it's sad to see. Yeah, the goal-scoring touch. Please thing. carry on. Yeah, yeah, the goal scoring touch thing. I think we kind of all knew that as soon as we signed him. I mean, we got what was it like 
10 league goals last season for Charlton. He's not exactly, he wasn't prolific at League One level. I don't know why we expect him to be prolific at Championship level. Yeah, um, well, it's the, that's, the, that's the market we're operating at, though, isn't it? You know, we, we're, we're forced to gamble. Yeah, even exactly. a couple of hundred grand is not, it, it's no guarantee of any sort of success. Because even when you, you look at someone like Doidge from League Two, you're pushing a million quid for someone that's never played above a, you know, barely a semi professional standard. Yeah, exactly. It was a gamble, and maybe one that maybe one that actually could have worked. And it looked like it was working for the first month, maybe two months of the season. But since then, like you say, other than other than Warsaw, who are a completely different calibre of opposition in the worst sense compared to these championship sides, he's done absolutely nothing in front of goal. I, I, he's probably registered like about five shots on target, weak headers since then. Yeah, and then uh, Donaldson, bloody Clayton Donaldson. He actually, some people say that he he puts his effort in, and I'm sure he does. But the problem is, his control is absolutely abysmal. I, I can count at least five times he lost the ball when as soon as it was passed to him because he because he always took the touch and it went about five feet away from him next to a Wigan player. There was no wonder he was substituted off after the first half because he was absolutely diabolical. And he's another one. Uh, any pace that he had, obviously, in the, because he's thirty-five, any pace that he had in the past has completely disappeared because he's really because he's slow as well. And both of them, the fact that they're pretty much our only striking option, it just drives me up the pissing wall, man. Mm, it's, I can tell from from the, the tone of your voice, uh, Tom. Obviously, you gave him the scores. Um, Three and four. It seems to be that, that you know the consensus is that that's that's generous. But why would you ex- why would you give them a three and a four? Would you mind just going into that a little bit for us, please? I I think that it's yeah, I think three is a pretty shocking mark. You know I, I think I, I don't I don't I agree I agree exactly. So it, you know it's it's not it, what would be the benefit of me putting a one out there? You know the guys the guys come on the pitch. He's not been so terrible to the point that you know he's not he's not Ali Deer for God's sake. The man is actually a footballer. Um, so I mean Donaldson, I said it there. I, I want him out of the club because I want you know players and who are actually capable of playing football. Donaldson is no longer capable of actually being a professional footballer and has proven that over the course of this season. With with McGinnis, I'm desperate for him to get a goal. I'm desperate for him to do something properly. But I, it, it just it, it's like he has absolutely zero confidence in his ability to a win a header, b get in the goal scoring position. When was the last time he had a shot? For God's sake, without that free kick that he had um, at the weekend, must have been the first time he had a shot in a match for about three weeks. I mm. mean, it's, it's just unbelievable how I don't know whether it's the terrible play in the midfield that doesn't actually get him, you know, into decent positions. I don't know whether it's you know his his lack of understanding on how to position himself to score goals. It's ridiculous, but he, he got he got a four because at least he was semi involved in um, both of the goals that we scored, and he, he keeps running around and looking like he's asked. And I, th- I think that's, okay. that's the nice. He runs thing around. Say about someone does not run around. He's he's just as lazy as Sammy Obi. That, that's, that's nonsense. That is, okay, okay, maybe that's a bit harsh, but he, he still does not run around very much. McGinnis is one has, of the most hard working players that we have. And he's I, hard, I, I, hard working in the air, but games he, all the time. He is hard working in the air, and and he does um, bat, battle centre backs, but. But, com- but compared to running around, getting the ball, getting around the pitch, trying to get himself positions, he does absolutely none of that. Can I just point? Oh, okay, so so pe- people said last season that Medine, one of his one of his re- uh, redeeming factors, even though he wasn't scoring an awful lot of goals in League One and last season, although he did score a few goals last season, 
was the fact that he was hardworking. You're telling me that you think Gary Medina is more hardworking than Josh McGuinness? Yes. Again, that's nonsense. But Medina gets away, got away with it because he ended up actually scoring a few goals last year. You know, it, it's, Gary Medina was one of the laziest strikers I've seen going just because he was found every, you know, two seconds because that was all Beavers and Weezer wanted to do was hoof the ball up to him. It does not mean he was running around working defenders, working the goalkeeper, which is exactly what McGuinness does. Yeah, but Medina actually tries to run into goal-scoring positions constantly. He, he, he may not have been, you know, trying to t- tackle defenders and all that, but he actually ran around and actually tried to get in goal-scoring positions. McGuinness does not do that. Or the, the first thing he thinks of as soon is, is I'm going to batter into this centre-back and hope something happens. He does not do any running around, tr- try to think tactically and try to get in position for a goal-scoring goal opportunity. He is so lazy in that regard. It's unbelievable. There's a, there's a reason... I don't, I don't he, think he it's laziness. It's a lack of instinct. He's not a striker. He's not a striker who's there to score goals. Look, when he played at Charlton, he was playing alongside the likes of Nicky Jose and that Carl and Grant and, you know, players like that who are actual finishers. He's being asked to do the job of two men when he's only capable of doing the job of one. You know, Medin was doing the job of two men, but because he had a striker's instinct. You know, this is where we talk about a quality of player. Medin is obviously a cut above in ability compared to McGuinness, but he didn't work as hard as him. No, I think you both, you both make some interesting points. We'll uh, listen into that debate. Obviously, mm-hmm. we, we won't uh, we won't necessarily dwell on, on Medin. He's, he's long gone, thank God. But yeah. Dale Donaldson and McGuinness, I mean, is, is there any permutation, any, any sort of way of working those two into the team that can give us any sort of glimmer of success as the season pans out? Or do you think that um, it's curtains now. Obviously, we're, no. we're, we're stuck. We're stuck with the choices we've got. We can't bring anybody else in, and that we just sort of meekly stumble towards that forty-six game and just hope that for some reason we're in with the chances as we face it. Yeah, I think they're both just completely incapable, and I think you know we we all know it's curtains now, and then in terms of you know where where we're going to end up, um, you know particularly next yeah. season, and 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 you know what happens in terms of the squad. I don't know. I don't know what their contracts are like. Um, you know, potentially whether they can get released, whether we can afford to do that, even um, I'm not sure. But I just think you know it, it's absolutely pointless, and I don't think they have any role in the team whatsoever. And regardless of you know what what they may contribute, whether or what how they make up for for their lack of goals, it, it is pretty irrelevant to be honest. Because all right, if, yeah. we, if you're on a winning streak, if we were winning games, and they were putting the hard work in, then yeah, fair enough. But without the wins, without the goals, the hard work is nothing. And um, in terms of laziness, I mean, I, it, it's a term that gets thrown around. I think, you know, both of when, when they come off, to be fair, you, you do see them, you know, looking shattered. Um, so I can't say that they just stand around all game doing nothing. And I, don't, I know they don't get the best yeah. service and what have you, but you would have thought that, you know, by now, if they had anything about them, that they might have even got up to like five goals each or whatever. But just the fact that they're, that they're struggling that much, you know, we, we've seen the, the sitters that Donaldson misses week in, week out. And the embarrassing ones, like where he just hits it and it gets closer to the corner flag than the goal, uh, and then you know you've got McGuinness who, in all fairness, is playing the Kevin Davis role. All he's doing is just trying to flick it on, but then there's no one to flick it on to, and it's just like yeah. and with, with Beavers' attitude in terms of just look, hoofing it up. It's like yeah, that's well and good because all right, we can win headers in the air, but then there's the, there's no play onwards from that. Um, you know, I, I, th- I think there was a point at Wigan, you know, where where the fans sort of turned turned on the on the players, and they actually started knocking it about, all right. And it's like, yeah, well, it's all too little, too late at that point. And you know, it's like we we actually played decent football for about five minutes, but it, again, the end product is nowhere to be seen. And as long as those two were at the club, it's not going to happen. That's not going to change. No, I don't disagree with what you said there at all. On those three people that attended the game, how did you feel about the the criticism the players have received for their perceived lack of enthusiasm in in applauding the supporters? I mean, there's a 
I'm, I'm sort of somewhere in between the two. I mean, if I was a player and I'd been getting dogs from 3,500 people, there's no way I'd expend any energy to go over and give them a You're little You're not going to go near no, but James, to you first on that one. Did it did it piss you off? Had you long had you left by then? Did you care? Or, or if you had remained behind, would you have been offended by the players' lack of appreciation for the numbers? I mean, I was pissed off the entire game, but not but not at them. I didn't expect any of them to come over. I knew that they all cowered out because there's no there's no real there's no real leader in that team. Parkinson knows he's gone either at the end of the season or whenever this eventual takeover happens, so he wasn't going to come over. David Weir was on the bench, so he's going to go straight into the tunnel and. Who was our captain for the day? Was it Taylor, Law, whoever? It was Taylor. Oh, Taylor. It was Taylor. Taylor wasn't gonna wasn't gonna come over because he was absolutely torn, torn apart. So he'd probably get the most abuse. But well, you Taylor think that, came over at the start, didn't he? Taylor was right there, you know, doing as you said, Chris, the Greta Steinson role of let's g up the fans before the game. Yeah, fat lot of good that does when you're down one mm. goal in three minutes. You honest God. That's the thing. It's like when you've got four K supporters behind you, who, to be fair, away from home are loyal as anything, and although they're actual dickheads between themselves. It's like in terms of getting behind the team until we go one down, it's actually that I, I couldn't name a better fan base to be honest for that. And then in terms of actually, you know, uh, earning anything from it or taking anything, any inter- inspiration from it, it, it's just nowhere to be seen. You know, it's like it's all well and good, like you said, G them up. But then when they go and concede within three minutes, it's like, well, what, what's the point? You know what I mean? It's like, if that's yeah. how you're going to go oh, about totally it, then agree. it's just yeah. embarrassing. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah, I completely agree, but. The, the thing was why I, I I got quite angry at them not coming over to, to a degree was that none of them even showed the a bloody common courtesy to come over and apologise. Has even a single player come out in social media to apologise for that absolutely disgusting performance? No, I'm not sure, I'm not, I'm not too, sure but no, I, I must say that that's maybe a difference in, in personality. I'm not sure whether I would expect footballers to really give that much of a toss to apologise you know it's, we're far away from the sort of a squad who I think would maybe band together to offer refunds and all that kind of nonsense that goes on in, in modern football um, but uh, you know you're perfectly entitled to think what you want to think mate but uh, for me that, I wouldn't expect an apology I mean I think it would only would have been met with more abuse um, yeah, I agree. No, from no, certain no, sections no, of the no, fan base it, are they? no so it wouldn't, I don't think that necessarily would have achieved anything I think the best way to, for them to have expressed any kind of regret, disappointment, sorrow, whatever you want to say, would have been in that that couple of seconds after the game when they had the opportunity to come over and, and sort of face the fans, semi-face-to-face. Um, but speaking of face-to-face um, confrontations, the supporters didn't exactly uh, cover themselves with glory. Tom, I wonder if you could give us a brief rundown of the, of the events of the second half uh, and what prompted it and what uh, what happened afterwards. What what I've seen at halftime, James, James and I have gone down to go and get ourselves go and get ourselves a drink, and the, you know the, the, I understand completely why all the fans are getting pissed off because they've just witnessed you know a, it's a bad first half. I mean, obviously it got it got progressively worse, but you know there was a, they they were all intent on letting off flares, they were letting off um, you know uh, sparklers, whatever, um, you know all jumping around like like nutcases, which of course when there's drink involved is going to get people you know, get people's backs up. So I've seen about three or four times people are starting fights and you know, having to get you know people getting involved to try and you know break it up, uh, which is just nonsense in itself. Um, obviously, we've all seen the video of um, the you know the confrontation with the police that happened uh, over by you know the, the our our fans section, which was quite close to the Wigan home support because the Wigan obviously Wigan fans after the you know getting into a position where they were winning so comfortably were bound to bait our fans into you know getting losing their heads, which they promptly did. And that's ended with a few of them being thrown out. You know, people allegedly spitting at police, you know, fighting amongst themselves. Uh, when I left the game was when Clark scored the fifth goal. 
so let's say about 10 minutes before the end, um, I've been walking out and all I've seen is this bunch of 12-year-olds or however old they were, all sprinting out in unison to go and you know try and fight the Wigan fans because that apparently would have been a sensible course of action. All that, what they've done is they've run straight around the side of the stadium toward the, the uh, Wigan end and they've just been stopped by a barrage of police who've started saying, you know, you come any closer, you're going to get arrested, which prompted all of the 25, 12-year-olds to just run away like, you know, little schoolgirls. It was, it, the whole thing was just pathetic. When, when, when they've eventually gone out to try and find the Wigan fans, they've run over to them. I think I saw one little fight break out. It was all my dad's bigger than your dad nonsense. But, you know, it's 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 worrying for, for people who are walking out. As I said in my ratings, you know, I've seen a dad with his kid on his shoulder shoved down a hill. You know, you know, God, I hope to God they're all right, because, you know, it, it's not what you want to see in a football match. You know, it just makes me disgracefully sad to see that that's what my, my club's fans have become, because it was just awful to watch. Yeah, and James, what sort of uh, effect do you think that the on-field nonsense has on that kind of attitude? Because obviously people go there with the, the, the intention to have a, have a drink, have a, have a laugh and watch the game. Then they see something that's as deeply frustrating as what they saw in front of them on the pitch. Do you think that, that is an excuse? Uh, no, there's absolutely no excuse for that kind of behaviour. I can, I, can, I can understand the reasons why they do it, though they're bloody stupid reasons. It's a local derby, you want to win, and the players put in an, an abysmal performance. I can understand their frustrations, but the, but the way they acted out was just completely inappropriate. Um, the, the fans were jumping all over the shop, crushing people because they kept constantly moving. So, so that could have ended absolutely disastrously. Setting off the flares, as you said, the fire alarm went off in our, in the away stand, though no one could barely hear it because all the were constantly chanting and having goes at each other. They were all fat, they were all fighting each other, and then we saw the ins- we've seen the incident on Twitter on Twitter with all the police fighting in in one of the in one of the exits to the stands. That I'm guess I blame the fans for that. Police doing their job, but but all our fans just having to go at each other because tempers were flaring up from beginning to end. Even at the start, even before the game even started, our fans were bloody stupid. Me, me, Tom and Eddie were all in moon under war and they set off a flare in the pub, setting off the fire alarms, getting us all kicked out. You just knew from the beginning that most of those fans were just going to ruin the day for a lot of people. And let's not even mention the incidents that were after the game. We, we brought a bunch of our absolutely stupid, stupid fan base. The majority of our fan base are all right, but the absolute stupid, Stupid that they acted like that on the day. The occasion drew them out, and they took the opportunity to just be complete morons. Fair enough. Will, have you got any advances on uh, on James's passionate comments there about the status of some of our uh, our supporters? Yeah, I think a lot of it's embarrassing. Particularly, you know, I, I said it in the chat earlier. You know, the younger ones who, who try not, you know at a big look hard whatever you know wearing all this Stone Island club and, and what have you who then run out and pretend to try and get involved in all, but all they're doing really is jumping about and pretending to shout my dad's bigger than your dad um, so yeah. in, in, you know it's all very embarrassing I mean uh, you know of course there'll be um, you know there'll be the one or two handy lads who I'm sure will will, will have absolutely no hesitation in going and getting into a scrap um, but in terms of the fact that it looked like it was all arranged you know like everyone ran out in the 85th minute and that area that the police were calling and off just suddenly emptied and it's pathetic you know the fact that all right you know you can accept it's a derby day it's always going to be a bit tense in terms of atmosphere but like scenes like that it's just completely uncalled for um and and i just don't understand you know why people go to the lengths of you know paying 40 quid or whatever it is for for a ticket to then go and get kicked out within 10 minutes 
um, as I'm mm. sure you know, quite a few of them did, you know, and, and in terms of, you know, assaulting police, assaulting stewards is a completely different story because, you know, in any situation, in any scenario, that that's an arrestable offence at the end of the day. And I know they're doing a big debate on Twitter today as to, you know, whether it, it, the police were using um, unreasonable force or, you know, whether it was deserved or what have you. I'm not too clued up on, on, on what's allowed and what isn't, but by the looks of it, you know, the, the police were the first ones to, to start lashing out and, you know, whether or not that's just as a result of what the fans are, have been threatening, what they've said or whatever. Um, it, it, it's just, it, it's a complete farce, to be honest. And, you know... I, I put it in the chat as well earlier about the fact that, you know, there was opposing fans in our away and because they heard our, our away days are a laugh. And it's like, well, you're just not a true supporter then. No, you're, all you're doing is coming for a bit of a laugh and to set a flare off and to try and look hard in numbers. And I think that's what, you know, it sums up a lot of that where, it, you know, they're, they're just there like, oh, there's 4,000 people around me, therefore I can do what I want and it's fine. Yeah. What they don't realise is that it's generally prosecutable and, you know, the ones who were at the centre of it will get in trouble and so they should. No, I think that's that all very, very fair comments. Um, and I know obviously there's some strong opinions and some strong passions at play as far as the, the, the actions of the team on the pitch and the supporters off it. Um, so I appreciate everyone's point of view on that. Um, I want to just sort of move on a little bit to see where, where we go from here, really. Um, obviously, with the next next game being QPR away, if I'm not mistaken, um, I, I think that there's obviously not a great deal of things that we can do to improve the situation. QPR are not necessarily the greatest team in in the world. But, Tom, do you see us able to, to rescue this situation or do you think it is just the, the, the sort of the slippery slope now heading down to get the season ending. I'm just pissed off that I bought my ticket before watching yesterday's game, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll be heading down and I really wish I wasn't. Um, but, you know, I, I, it's, it, it is what it is. I just, I just think we're, we're clearly not going to come away with any, any, anything from the game. You know, let's, let's just hope that we're in existence and I'm able to actually go and watch a game of football. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Get back to the back to the game, James. Uh, same question to you, really. Do you see any any necessary changes to the eleven that starts the game, or do you think again it doesn't really make a difference? Um, we're knackered either way. Uh, well, I don't know. I I, I think Jason Laws an enforced change. He looks like he went off injured, so um, yeah. So Pavel's probably going to come back in. Uh, I don't. The thing is. The players that I'd want to see given a chance, I just know Parky won't play them. Yeah. Like, so I, I would, think you give, I, would you give someone like Hall a go? I mean, obviously, he's, he, pedigree aside and experience aside, do you, do you think we're at the point now where we can think, well, balls to it, we can't, we can't really do any worse? Yeah. Well, well, yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. He may not have the experience, and he may not have had the the, the greatest time at Aki Stanley, not starting many games. But to be honest. Is he is he any worse? We don't know because we we never seen him play. He might as well give him a chance. Even players like who've been in the cold, like Bella and Ostuma, they probably deserve a chance because hell, even if they are worse than than what we've currently got, that what's what's the fun in losing him? We're already about eight points off the relegation zone. We are we've already conceded the least goals and conceded the most goals in the league this season. There's absolutely no harm in just giving these players a run out at this point. You might even if it's to put them in the shop window. Yeah, will do you agree with that? Do you think it's worth uh, worth giving giving you know Connell, Pritchard, people like that? So let's let's not forget Pritchard has disappeared into the thin air again. Yeah, no, of course. Um, I, I appreciate James's point about, you know, you may as well give him a chance, especially, you know, depending on what what happens on Wednesday, you know, it could get to a point where there's a, a points deduction or, or whatever. But, you know, we're, we're pretty poor. 
much past the point of certainty, certain relegation now anyway. So in terms of, you know, giving it, giving the younger lads a run out, you know, it's like, why not? Um, I'm, I'm not saying that we should rely on Connor Hall alone as our bloody club saviour. And I think that was unfair on the lad particularly, but I, I, I do strongly think that um, he couldn't really do any any worse than, than Donaldson or, or McGuinness, that's for sure. So, yeah. you know, I'm all for giving lads a game time. And I thought Pritchard did very well in the in, in the few games that he played. And all right, I know a few people said he's a luxury player. He, he, he's one for, you know, a, a little bit less of the rough and some more. But, you know, you've got to give him time to break in. You know, a couple of the lads have had more, more experience with the first team than others. Um, so you, you've just got to you, you know be careful with that, but at the same time, you know when it when it gets to the point where it's like sod it may as well, then then yeah, why not? I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, no, fair enough. And hopefully, like like Sam said, we can just get back to the football because all this off-field nonsense is is draining. Um, okay, so we know Wednesday is going to be D-Day. Um, whether a deal's done on the steps, whether a deal's done inside, or whether anything more significant happens, I guess we'll we'll find out. Um, but yeah, so Will, would you like to uh, just take over for the last part where it comes to the, the Twitter questions? Yeah, of course, sure. Yeah, um, just bringing them up now. Just going to say about the, the thing on Wednesday. I'm not sure what actually that that'll entail. You know, or, or whether or not you know what that actually spells. Um, I'm sure even the people in the know and, and can't actually be certain of what what's going to happen. You know, a lot of people are saying you know the club's going to die, but at the same time, you know, it could it could just be t- taken over there and then. So um, I, I'm really not sure. I don't know if any of you lads have a different opinion or if you have any idea of what could potentially happen or what's unlikely to happen, rather. Well, I don't see um, a liquidation scenario coming into play at all. I think the club's too uh, too valuable to someone um, yeah. in, 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 the right, in the right hand. So I really don't think that's an option. Whether, yeah, the, league take, whether the league takes any action or anything like that is, an, is another matter altogether, but... I certainly don't. Don't. I'm not going to go in there thinking that you know we're not going to have a football club come Thursday morning. Personally, I'm hoping this whole. This is a very optimistic viewpoint, by the way. But personally, I'm hoping this whole courtroom scenario just puts us in administration, completely absorbs, absorbs Ken of whatever, whatever control he has of the club, and then the Bowser and boys can pick it up on the cheap. But that's really looking at it from an optimistic point of view. Mm. I, I don't think administration is necessarily the sort of golden chalice that that, that we might want it to be. It's it's an expensive process. Uh, it's a process that can uh, that can. It's not going to be some sort of magic fix where all our troubles will, will disappear. You know, there's there's parallels, I guess, in the past with people like um, Leicester when they went into administration as well, where things have, have worked out well for them. But I bet you there's more where they ha- where it hasn't. Well, so they, just, they, yeah. they did it before the um, the points deduction system. Mm, I remember. I remember something that my dad bangs on about all the time about how, you know, Leicester played it brilliantly, getting themselves into administration where they suffered absolutely no footballing retribution. Uh, Just talking of that, about, you know, what's the best best option to take the first question we've got. So my very own Liam O'Meara, he says, the smart move would now be to voluntarily enter admin. Would you agree? If we have the financial backing to do it. Yeah, I'm I'm not, again, I'm not convinced it's it's the solution. I think, you know, I think hopefully it won't get to that. I would have that as an absolute last resort. I really would. I don't think it's it's a golden egg to to, to fix all our problems like I said before. But we'll see. I, Might not have a choice. Might I don't not know have a what's choice. worse, liquidation or admin. I mean, obviously one spells the end of a football club and one's just a, a, effectively a points deduction, isn't it? But um, I'm sure there's more to it in the background. But I'm, I don't know what difference it would make at this point as to, as to which one we, we enter, if any. Yeah, we don't we don't know for sure, but the thing is, um, we don't really know the other options that are available either at this point. That's the big problem. Yeah, I don't know. But um, in terms of a more general question, uh, Johnny Tickle has said, uh, "Who would you keep next season in League One, if any?" 
I don't think I'd be rushing, rushing. I'd be rushing to keep many of them. To be honest, I think the obvious ones are probably the younger players. I mean, Luke O'Connell would be the obvious one. I think he's if he can be persuaded to stay for twelve months, it's probably better for his development as well. Um, yeah. But outfield, by in terms of the outfield players, I wouldn't be upset if any of them left. To be honest with you, yeah. I get there's arguments for for you know for nostalgic purposes to keep the likes of Weeter on board. But, you know, the ones that, that that were decent last time in League One, yeah, sensible mm-hmm. way, sensible option to keep them on if we can. But should they leave, uh, you know, they wouldn't be shedding a single tear. No, I'm sure yeah. there'll be people like Little and Ozuma to stick around. I think they'd be very useful in League One. Yeah, we've got we've got nine players contracted for uh, next season anyway. It's just whether we want to keep any of those that still mm. that are going out of contracts, the likes of I don't know Craig Nuno, Mike Beavers, or Andy Taylor, anybody like that, just to I, fill the ranks of anything. I think with with those kind of players, it's got to the point now that I'm just sick of the sight of them. I just yeah. I just want you know I can yeah. Really, really dig. I think, I like think you say, the, time, the, it's something that it's something that we we failed to do properly last time was was to remove that element of the of the squad when we got from relegated from the Premier League we kept hold of most of the players and and I've, I've often wondered at the time and, and you know I guess proven right in hindsight that those players have let you down those players have, have, have got the kind of you know to be a bit dramatic the stench of failure about them and to persist with them is would just reinforce everything they've ever said about Wanderers is that we're we're far too loyal to shit players far too yeah. loyal you know, we need to turn these players over, get them out, get someone else in. Doesn't matter who that person is. You know, they'll, they'll sink or they'll swim. But those of us, those that have let us down and let us down so badly. I mean, let's not let's face it. The the the, the sort of large proportion of this squad is the is the squad that yeah, fair enough, they survived, no problem. But for large portions of last season, they were woeful, absolutely woeful. And to expect anything different this season, it, it was just madness in hindsight, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, like you said, there's a loyalty case to keep on the likes of Weiser and whether or not that, that's right anymore. I think that, that there's just a point where, you know, you, you say we're, we're far too kind to those sort of characters. So mm-hmm. um, we so. may see wh- whether or not there's any bottle in, in or any, you know, actual um, decent business decisions made in summer, we'll have to see. But like you said, I wouldn't be particularly upset if, if any of the current squad were to walk at this point, to be honest. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, like there was a thing last week with the players being able to walk had they not been paid by Thursday. And to be honest, I don't think many of them would have done despite the, despite the threats because one they don't have one to walk into, and two because they wouldn't be able to. So um, yeah, I, I I just don't understand it. I think if they get released, it's probably for the best to be honest because it, it you know I'm sure they won't complain too much either. Um, besides the the ones have been long term uh, appearances, so we'll see. But um, yeah, I've got a rather strange question here. Uh, is there anybody other than Olkowski and possibly Noon who are too good for us? I think they must have meant no one. I'm sure they meant yeah. no one. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, I don't. I, I don't know. So. I don't know. Maybe maybe Connell for potential, but other than that, no. <laughs> yeah, no Connell, and that, that's it. I can't. I can't agree yeah. on, on either of those. To be honest, I'm afraid. It's a hard no on that one. Uh, we've got, would any of these current clowns get into our all-time worst 11? I nominate Buckley as our best ever invisible man. Uh, you know he's playing because he's on the team sheet, but totally incognito. Yeah, there's a few on there. There's a few on there that are decent decent potential for that. I don't know. I'm not sure. We Well, certainly, you know, myself, Will and James, we've not seen the, the sort of the, the terrible, terrible years of, you know, going down to like, was it third division or whatever it was called back then. So there's probably some absolute shockers in those teams there. But I just think from from depressing value, you know, I've not seen a Bolton team that's just made me just so 
just so apprehensive about going to football matches and so desperate to see change as as these lot. So I think someone like someone like Donaldson would certainly be be up there for me to get into that side personally. I think it's I think it's all relative because I, I appreciate what you're saying about the the age gap, but you only know what you know. You know, you can't, just yeah. because you weren't around in 1981 to see such and such a person stink out the midfield doesn't mean that the modern equivalent can't be as bad. Possibly, you know, the, the, there's a hell of a lot of shit in there. And, and know, you know, bear in mind, Chris. I mean, I'm, I I started going to games when we had we had JJ Jorky Fenierro. Sure, and, and, I, I, and I, I know I'm seeing this. You know, the, I remember. I think it was the video that they did just before we the Peterborough game, and there was there was a guy saying, "I'm a young fan. All I've seen is us being relegated." Not, no, you haven't. <laughs> You've seen the best times that this club's ever seen, mate. You know, the, 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 there's a sense of perspective that I think people need to get, and I think that now it's sort of ramming home as to how bad the situation is because not 10 years ago, it's the Atletico Madrid thing, isn't it? That, that's, that, that was the kicker for me when it, we were saying yeah, you know, I think 10, 11 years, whatever it was. For this weekend being FA Cup quarter-final weekend, it's, it's brought back a lot of memories for me of the Birmingham game away. And obviously we don't talk about the FA Cup semi-final, we never talk about that. But the, 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 the team we had at the time, Christ, I remember being thinking that you know some of these players that night, etc. Christ, why were, they pay, why were they playing for us? They were absolutely diabolical, but by comparison, their modern equivalents are, are absolutely beyond hopeless. Uh, so I, I don't have any, I don't have any sort of fundamental disagreement with anyone that wants to, to sit there and tell us that this this team is is as dog shit as it all appears to be. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I think you know I'm I'm like Tom and James in in terms of you know only seeing the last you know 10, 15 years or whatever of the club and knowing downfall since it, it, it is hitting home to be fair. And I'm sure we'll get a lot of criticism for, for not being born earlier, which I'm, believe me, people will come up with that. But um, yeah, like you said, we, we, can, we can only, you know, rate what, what we've seen. So on that basis, I, there's definitely a few in there, one of which being Donaldson, I think. But uh, anyway, uh, next one, Liam says, is Velo worth keeping next season? No, next um <laughs> thank you you know what it is it is a shame i think it is a shame because we've all seen him in when he was played in league one and even flashes in the championship you know with the, the season we got relegated when he, he has his moments um but i just think you know for, for him and for us i guess a fresh break might be might be worthwhile at this stage you, start could, probably, somewhere you could probably else. see him and we to go into the same place i would have thought but not yeah, a, it's a big at the hip but yeah we <laughs> got that um, but just having a look. No, Samuel Wordenson says the sorry state the uh, the Bolton universe. Um, can we do some reminiscing on European delights? I'm sure we can, Samuel. But we'll probably make a different pod out of that, considering that this one's got a little bit downhill. Um, it, it is too late to uh, to start reminiscing now. We're we're well in the depths of, of uh, dismay. So. Yeah. Um, Toby Ward says, "Have we any news on potential buyers? What happened to Peter Kenyon? Is he still interested?" Let We're me not sure my, uh, was, I wonder. Where, I wonder whether wonder whether he ever actually was or not. Maybe we'll find out. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it was probably just a tactic to try and shake my castle to to sell Newcastle. It's like if, if you can't get my money, I can go spend it on this place instead. I think people think we're still yeah. more in the know than. <laughs> Matt Nuttall says, how much debt does Ken actually owe? Uh, the new owners have been put off by the debt that they didn't know about. What else do we owe? I mean, where do you want God to knows. start? God knows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's a, that's a, an absolute rabbit hole to head down, isn't it? I can't pretend to be. As up, as up on that. that, if you tweet Super White Smurf, I'm sure he'll give you a, an appraisal of what he understands the situation to be better than I could. 
I was going to say we'll point you in the direction of him. Um, Sean Williams says, why is Lowe the first on Parkinson team sheet, no matter what position, he gives us nothing except negative play. Right, I guess this is one for me because I will, I'm one of the few who actually defends Lowe. All right, he's not a right back. We, we know that he's fucking terrible at right back. We saw that as soon as he as soon as he gave away the first goal. Fine, I I will absolutely not play him at right back. I'm not defending that. He's not the worst DM I've ever seen. I, I don't know if anyone wants to count me on that point. <laughs> the silence is deafening. Put it that way. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I'm I'm just listening to see where this is going because I'm fascinated. Carry on. <laughs> fair, fair, fair enough. I expect you all to rip me to pieces afterwards. Um, Derek right. is better than Lowe. That's no, all I've got to say. Yes, he is. He is. No, he's not. Chris? <laughs> Sorry, you broke up a bit there, mate. What was the question? <laughs> Derek is better than Lowe. <laughs> Be fair. All right, all right. All right. J- Jason Lowe, he's, he screens that defensive line all right. He's not, the be- he's not the best I've ever seen. I think Carl Henry was better than him, but he still does an all right job there. He's More often than not, he's rarely, in that position, he's rarely responsible for giving away goals. It's usually down to the, the defenders not being able to keep up with the players or losing the man. He he covers that that screen in front of the defensive line fairly well. Yes, he gives away some stupid fouls, and yes, he's he's so he definitely plays way too safely to passing sometimes, choosing to pass backwards when he's got a man free wide or whatnot. That that can be a negative or a positive depending on on whatever way you want to phrase it. But he's not a, that bad a DM. Yes, he's too safe, but I think we knew that as soon as we got him, considering he's only ever scored one goal in his entire well, yeah. career. Yeah, there's a bloody good goal then if you watch it back. Yeah. You definitely didn't sign him for his uh, for his attacking his attacking uh, instincts, did we? And and I guess to see the career that he's had to date, we maybe we should have known that perhaps he's one of these, you know, a bit of a steady Eddie. Never really, you know, thrived. I guess anywhere he's made plenty of appearances, but fairly, fairly. Yeah, when, yeah, when we signed him, even to the. Even, sorry, mate, even, even to the point where Rovers fans who who was just not bothered, you know, when it, when a, a so-called rival takes one of your players off them, spoke to my mates who are Blackburn fans, you know, but it's not fine, not asked. Yeah, I, not yeah, asked. I spoke to plenty of Blackburn fans who said the same thing, but he was supposed to be he, when he was signed, he was supposed to be the guy that was supposed that would, would do all the dirty work behind the lines and then give some of the more attacking midfielders a chance to go forward and push with the ball, kind of like exactly how Carl Henry did last season. It, it's not worked out that way because it, because a lot of our other midfielders are absolutely gash at getting forward. But that's that's not that's not Jason's law's fault. That's their fault. It's funny. I'm just I having think, a. I think Bradley was better. I, I'm not. I'm not even. You know, saying the outlandish things just for the sake of it. I think Bradley was better. Simple as You're that. You're trying to Bradley. be controversial, not all. What what, <laughs> what? what would the point be? What would the point be? I know that you guys are just going to shout me down, but I think it's a it's a it's an opinion that's worth getting out there. I think Bradley gets a lot of unfair flack. That I think he's copped mainly because he wasn't a Premier League player, and we signed him into that team you know, that, that that got relegated. So he had that stigma about Brad. him already. It's like Chris said. You know, you you have this sort of um, aura of failure about you, and everyone suddenly overlooks all the good things that you do. In my opinion, Prattley is, be- is definitely better attacking, and he ha- and he has more energy than Law, but he's not. He wasn't as good defensively, so it depends how you want to look at Prattley in that regard. But then sometimes I guess their their downfall and their failings is is amplified by the uh, sorry, is sort of opposed by the what comes after them. Because um, yeah, Prattley might have not been able to find a Bolton shirt in in six or seven seasons with a pass, but then to see the performances of some of the ones that have been brought in to replace him. You know, you wonder really, don't you, whether you were perhaps a bit harsh on him at the time 
Whether that's true or not is another matter. But when you see what's in front of you being so desperately poor, even if it was Bumi Mido Kamara, you'd look back and think, oh, Christ, you know, I wish I hadn't been so hard. Maybe we could have kept someone, at least would have done something vaguely positive. Well, Mido Kamara was unfairly treated because he was put next to Jay Spearing and it was basically having declared. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, there you go. So it's one of those things, and time's always kind on things like that. Um, Not to say that in three or four years' time we'll be looking back particularly favourably on on Jason Lowe, um, but we'll see where it goes from here, I suppose, whether he remains next season, because I'm pretty sure his contract does extend that far, doesn't it? Yeah, it yeah, his contract is the next year. It's funny, I'm just uh, having a laugh at a, a mini-debate in the comments um, on, on this on this matter, uh, and somebody replied to that about you know Lowe's contributions, as he said, he gives us pressure on opponents like nobody else, it's not beautiful, but so important. He's had bad game spot on a whole one of our better players this season. To which Sean replied, fra- he has phrased that absolutely horribly. <laughs> to, to, to which Sean said, "You've not been to any games, I see." And the guy replied, "No, but I've seen them all home and away, and I pay attention." Okay, mate. He, he's um, phrased that horribly. When he says he gives us pressure, it makes it sound like he does that in the attacking sense. And no, he doesn't. No, no he absolutely doesn't. He, jo- he jockeys the attacking players and gets, gives. Yeah, he jockeys for them. He's not quick enough to stick with them. No. Um, I, don't know. Just, I, yeah. I, I can't I can't stand the bloke I, I just think he, he, he's the most negative footballer I've ever seen in my life and I, I can't help but feel there's some kind of conspiracy theory about why he's why he's constantly in the team over other midfielders yeah. what, what is he I think it's telling James that you say that you're a fan of his and yet he didn't even come into your reckoning when we talked about who would be in your three man midfield I never, I never said I was his fan but I will defend him I think it's. I wonder whether it's, it's it's similar, to, I guess, to the impact that Connell's had because yeah, while he's come into the team and he's been you know moderately adventurous and he's been you know quite quite exciting, I guess, as far as prospects go. If if you were looking at it with an objective point of view, whether you'd feel quite the same quite strongly, when again it, it contrasts with what's there in, in midfield with Williams, with Connell uh, Connolly, and with Jason Long, Gary O'Neill. It's one of those situations, I think, where anyone with even the most slightest little modicum of attacking instinct or uh, spark about them would instantly stand out against everyone else that's there. I had a couple of comments, actually, about Lowe saying, what does Parky see in him? Uh, why leave Pav out just to put him in the side? Oh, that uh, was obviously stupid. Conceded that, was, that was ridiculous. That, obviously conceded that Connolly and Williams are a better pairing, but couldn't just leave him out. Yeah, completely agree. I agree with um, that. Yeah, uh, Farron has said, if takeover doesn't happen, what will the court decision be? Who knows? We wish we knew. <laughs> uh, we get asked a lot of questions that imagine that we actually know what's going on. Yeah, you know, we're, 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 just, we're just rambling people here. We're not, you know, insightful. Again, so. Chris, get, get your crystal ball out. Um, yeah, Jason Cottrell has asked us a couple of fairly sensible questions. Uh, will we take Kevin Nolan as our next manager? I'd love that to happen. I'd take Colleen Nolan at this stage, to be honest with you. <laughs> we, we, need, we, do need, we do need a replacement. He's available. He'd like, he likes the club, which is a selling point for some people. Uh, I guess why not? But his managerial track record isn't that favourable when you look at it. He, he really should have... Imagine he, if you're a Notts County fan now and saying that you don't want him back, you'd kill, you'd kill to have Kevin Nolan back at that club now. Kevin Nolan started that season with about seven losses and had them at the bottom of the table. He really should have got them promoted through the playoffs that season, but he completely bottled it. Did, oh, did he bottle it, though? Did you watch those two games against Coventry? He, they were absolutely robbed, mate. Honestly, ask anyone who, who watched that game. They were robbed. There was never yeah. a penalty in the first one. Oh, Take your word on topic. that. We're getting off topic. He was robbed. 
Yeah, I agree on that. But um, yeah, and he also says, "Why do we keep going to watch Bolton?" I don't know. Because we're masochists, mate. I yeah, I paid for it now, and it's better than spending Saturday with the wife and kids. Just... <laughs> Some addictions are cheaper, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just going to say back on manager gossip for a second wasn't there somebody in attendance um, at the either Wednesday or the Millwall game um, where, and then they, they just claimed that they come to watch one of their mates or something I can't remember who it was actually that was sat in the direction that was Harry Kuehl Harry Kuehl oh, was, was there with his, his, his good mate Parkey yeah. and we still can't figure out how they're mates no that, well, I don't know how Parkey has any mates <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's going to have to be a question directed at them because on, unless he did the coaching badges together at, set, at the same time, which time-wise, it doesn't make any sense. I don't think they've ever played together. I'm not even. I'm not sure if they've ever managed in the same league or whatever. I, 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 don't, I understand. don't understand it. it. It's such a weird thing to make up. Like, if he was trying to keep a low profile or try to explain why he was there, surely you just wouldn't post about it. I'm, I'm, it's confusing. I, I think that would be one that will never be solved. But, uh, yeah, Matthew Lawrenson says, can we come straight back up? Yeah. Yeah, of course we can. Of course we can. It'll take a, a bit of a, a squad overhaul and, and a manager perhaps more in, more inclined to uh, to rotate the plays that he's got and, and to make more, of a, make more of an attacking impression on the game. Because if you recall that season last, I wouldn't have said necessarily man-for-man Sheffield United were particularly better than us. But their manager had a completely different outlook than Parkinson and continues to have that same outlook. And they're getting absolute runaway success with it. So I think mindset comes into things a lot at that kind of level. And I'd love to have someone with that kind of approach. Yeah, yeah. League, one, league One is easy. I'm sorry, but League One is easy for where we're at now. Even even yeah. our terrible players now, League One would not be that hard for them. We were talking about this I, the other day, and I just think it, it's a it's a shocking league, but and it, it, it's hard graph to be fair, but. You know, I think it's definitely doable, um, given that there's we made a very couple of changes. We made very last time, unnecessarily. We did. I mean, I can't believe where Sheffield United are now compared to, to where we were that year. But uh... They've got an unbelievable sense of their own importance and they've got an unbelievable sense of their own ability to the point that he's taken average players and made them think that they're 10 foot tall and, mm. you know, that therefore they can beat anyone. And I, I think that's more credit to Chris Wilder than, you know, to the Definitely. players themselves. I was going to say, as much as I hate him, you've got to give him credit, on you? So. But, Amazing yeah. what you can do when you go into a club where you're universally loved and you universally love that club. And you, you're given the tool. I mean, to be fair, you've been given a bit of money, which does also help because there is a bit of quality in that side. But the side that got promoted from uh, League One that almost made the playoffs last season, you know, wasn't too dissimilar to what, to what they had before. But exactly. they just believed, they believed that they could do it. Yeah, th- yeah they've had players like... Chris Basham and, and Billy Sharp who've been at a club either multiple times or for ages they've got players that have gone a bit past you but he's completely brought new life into them and just made yeah. them so much better he made Leon Clark Sheff- believe that he could score 20 odd goals in the championship yeah. look at Sheffield Wednesday just last just last few weeks with Steve Bruce you know a manager that's been around the block knows what he's doing and, and can turn a sour ear into a silk purse you know there's there's managers out there, and we, and we don't need to kid ourselves that Parkinson is the only answer because he conducts himself with a bit of dignity and a bit of uh, a bit of self-respect. You know, we, yeah. we we're worth more than just settling for that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like so- manager. yeah, it's like someone said. Um, yeah, yeah, he's handled himself with class and dignity for a lot of situation. But if you're just looking at it from a pure results and point-based science thing, he'd been sacked three times over. Well, that statistic that's been out this weekend about our. 
uh, points return over the last whatever it is, hundred points, something like 19 that. Nineteen in one hundred and two. It's it's it, you know he's the, the safest manager in world football, and it is it is baffling. It's it's disappointing and it's baffling to find uh, that we we've not got to the point yet where there's an alternative to him. It, it really is baffling. It is. It's incredible how safe his job is. I saw it on Twitter actually. Somebody. Uh, put it on the other day. I think it was this morning actually about you know how strange it is. Uh, I think it was a daily reminder: Phil Parkinson is still in a job. Somehow the safest manager in England, four wins in thirty-four and nineteen points from hundred and two. It's, uh, it's quite a yeah. record. But, uh, yeah, um, I don't understand it, Bob. So you know it, it's got something to do with the off-the-field situation, hasn't it? So um, we will see what what happens with that once uh, once we know what happens on Wednesday. So. Um, Stephen Lowe, last for you now. Stephen Lowe says, could any point deduction be carried over to next season? I believe so. Can it? I think the deadline, we've got about 10 days, haven't we, to get started before that becomes an issue. I'm sure it will be done before yeah. then. Either, you know, in either, in either scenario. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, I mean, it's I mean, it's possible. Anything's possible in the can, but I'd like to think that we take it now when it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't know so, but... Um, James says, what manager would you want next instead of that stump Parkinson? I think me and I'm Chris not, are both on the same page in terms of Neil Warnock. Um, not Kevin really, really not fussy. I think a fresh voice is required. It can be David Weir, it can be Water, uh, Warburton, whatever. Not bothered. Yeah. My own personal choice would be Carlos Carvajal, but that, but that's just me. Not in League One, James. Not a chance of that. Yeah, yeah, I, think, yeah I don't think it would think happen. That, but I think that shit might have sailed. Yeah, but it'll just probably be... It, it talking eventualities, it will probably just be someone either that we've never heard of or just someone from the lower leagues who we'd never really paid any mind yeah. until now. Well, we've done the same thing with Parkinson, didn't we? Where you know someone like Nolan or Q, or someone that will be grateful for the opportunity, and so therefore will likely be fairly cheap, and we'll and we'll put up with a load of shit from the owners. So you know, I think we'll uh, we'll we'll see what comes and that comes out of that, but uh, time will tell. It will. Last question. Um, I'm not sure we can really answer this, to be honest. Um, it, it says, ask the players why they let the fans down so much yesterday. After all the support they got, the players were a disgrace. Mm, I mean, no, yeah, I'll just, I, 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 I'll just text my mate, that, Dave, will you? <laughs> yeah, I'll just ask him. Um, <laughs> yeah, Chris, you've got his number, don't you? You can ask him. Uh, uh, I you? think you think... Uh, I think he thinks I've got his number. I'm not. I'm not sure whether I do or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, Maybe no. I think I have. Maybe I think I do. But no, it'd be not, it, I, I will go back to what I said before to James. I think it, you know, it, it, in some ways, it would be nice to hear from the, the players to, to see sort of how they're feeling. I guess it'll come out in the next couple of days in the newspapers, interviews with the squad and the uh, and the manager as to exactly what the mood's like in the camp. But I imagine it'd be pretty low at this time. Uh, we all know it'll be the standard fare though in those things. It'll be like, oh, we'll bounce back, we'll carry on the squads, um, all banding together and all that sort of stuff. Just mm. regular media stuff instead it's of anything out. actual. Biting like at the end of our relegation season to, to League One when Prattley came out and told the owners to get a bloody move on. Yeah, I mean, we just had one last one in the last 30 seconds, which I'm sure you'll all enjoy. Um, on a scale of one to scumbag, how much of a scumbag is Ken? <laughs> oh, that sounds like a James Jarvis kind of question. That I'll be honest with you. James, don't tell him I tweeted it. <laughs> no. no, I'm kidding. But uh, no, he's completely past that scale. He's beyond. He's beyond the word. We need a new word invented for how much of a scumbag he, he is. Yeah, but then yeah, that's it for the uh, yeah. for the Twitter questions, Chris. 
Brilliant. Thanks very much. Yeah. I appreciate it. Right. Okay. No so, any other business, lads? Any other business? I'd just I think like we've to see what happens on, on Wednesday. And then, yeah, uh, and, I'm sure we'll report and, uh, back. We Hopefully, we can't will. play anywhere else against QPR, and who knows? Maybe we'll get a surprise. I'll let I'll you have know, a boys. Funeral you know. special on Wednesday. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I'm sure it won't come to that, Will, but you, you bring in a nice black coat just in case. It is quite smart and would suit such an occasion. So, on that on that bombshell, um, it, it's been great to speak to you all. Of course I did. It's been, very, it's been great to hear all your opinions. I was going into things in, in some depth, but I think the, the situation definitely warranted it. Um, right, so, uh, social media. Tom, where can people find you to discuss your player ratings from this week? <laughs> well, I think I've, I've rumbled myself in. I've said the last few times that I don't have Twitter. I do have Twitter, and people who've uh, commented on my player ratings have received a few comments from me back. So, uh, it's, uh, I think it's T, I think it's TJ Rico or something like that. I don't know. You do know, Tom. Go on. To see my comments. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. James, where can people find you, mate? Uh, they can find me at trico 44 um, no. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They can find me at uh, Real James Jarvis. I'll never believe that's you, James. The guy in the picture there is far too good looking. That's oh, right. That's right. That haircut as well. Yeah. Mr. Jones, where can people find you? They can find me in a very shiny coat. Um, uh, <laughs> WI1LJ on Twitter. And obviously all the uh, all my ramblings on the website um, uh, for the podcast as well. So, yeah. That's me. Fantastic. So, yeah, follow us on the line of Vienna STE on Facebook, wherever you get your social media fix. Uh, and also, if anyone's got the time, if you could appreciate it, if you could nip on iTunes and drop a little review in there, of course, five stars would be preferred. Just helps us with the rankings and so on. So, I've been Chris, he's been James, he's been Tom, and he's been Will. Lads, anything further to say before we call it a night? It's just time to say goodbye, isn't it? It is time. Would you like to do it, Will? I'd love to. So it's time to say goodbye. So goodbye, Chris. Goodbye, Chris. Goodbye, Tom. Goodbye, Tom. Goodbye, James. Goodbye, James. I say goodbye from me, Sir La V.